You are listening to Focus, a sermon series by Pastor Bay Allen. Good morning, everyone. I would invite you to turn with me today. We're going to dig right in. You know, um, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 5. If you have your Bibles or your smartphones with me and you want to turn, we're looking at Luke chapter 5, picking up with verse 17. Um, But I do want to tell you that we're in the midst of a series right now. Um, And Charlie, if you go back just a couple slides there, uh, we're looking at five areas of focus that were presented to us by our bishop. Charlie's right on top of it, though. Thank you, Charlie. I said scripture, and she turned right to it. Um, But we're looking at these five areas of focus in this sermon series called Focus, where our bishop, Cynthia Moore-Kakoy, has said that we need to focus on future leaders in the church. This is a focus of the United Methodist Church in western Pennsylvania. We need to offer new places for new faces, which in many ways, Faith on 68 as a newer burgeoning campus is, is that. I mean, we're kind of a new place for new faces. Um, We are to be in true community, which means doing ministry with as opposed to doing ministry to or ministry for, uh, specifically with the poor. Um, We need to be doing ministry with the poor, not just for the poor or to the poor. We need to stamp out disease, uh, which is improving global health. We are uh, looking at what it means to be a people who um, bring about change and healing in our world. And the last one is that we are to dismantle racism, to live in a a diverse city, if you will, a place where uh, diversity thrives and and we are blessed by all of the the various uh, gifts that come along with diversity. So these are the focal points of our bishop for our conference. So these are the focal points for us as United Methodists living in Western Pennsylvania. Um, That being said, We're digging right in today. We're looking at stamping out diseases, and we're turning to Luke chapter 5, verse 17, which will also be on the screen for your convenience, where we read this. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him, before Jesus. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to him, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees, they began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who, who can forgive sins but Jesus? I mean, but God alone. I'm sorry. But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven you or to say rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise up, take your bed, and go to your house. Immediately, he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they all glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, I got to tell you that... um, this sermon, uh, I have a message for you today, and God, the message God's laid on my heart for you is overcome. The word overcome. Say overcome. 
Now, I got to tell you a story because I'm just getting over my sickness. Some of you know for the last two weeks I've had this nasty chest cold. In other words, I've been on my deathbed for the last two weeks. Because whenever I get sick, I'm sure I brought this up and I've forgotten because I was probably in a sickly stupor. But when I get sick, I'm a baby. I'm a big baby. I am, I, I mean, every, I can see, uh, you know, like Sally Struthers is doing infomercials for me. I am just on my deathbed. Um, and it's a terrible thing. Now, I, a couple weeks ago, I felt this sickness coming on. And I'm a self-medicator. I still haven't been to the doctor. I saw Tommy this morning and I said, how are you feeling? He's like, good. And I'm like, did you go to the doctor? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, that's why you're feeling good. And I should. You'd think that I would learn by now that there's healing there. All I have to do is go and get it, right? But I don't. I self-medicate. And so I was getting sick. This is about almost two weeks ago. And I go to the cupboard. It's 3 a.m. You know, when I'm getting up out of bed at 3 a.m. to go to the cupboard, something's wrong. And I go to get my medicine. It's not there. There's no mucinex. I didn't have anything except like allergy relief. And that was, that was just like a flag on a golf course. It's just there for a little bit of hope. It didn't do anything for me. And I needed my mucinex, but I couldn't really go and get it until the next day. I don't know if you've ever been there, if you're a self-medicator, where the one thing you've needed... You went to get it and it wasn't there. It, it's a pretty lousy feeling, especially when you're hacking and keeping people awake because it's 3 a.m. and you're just like. <sighs> so anyway, I digress, but I'm a baby. So, so deal, deal with me in that moment. Pray for me. Um, I'm, I, I think I'm doing a little bit better. But what I want to point out today, that that scripture reminds me of the way that I act when I get sick. And here we have someone who's legitimately sick. And it brings to mind for me in the United Methodist Church how we're called to, to improve global health. We're looking at people that have poor water supplies, people that don't have the medicines that they need, um, people that are just literally dying on the streets. Um, and this scripture brought that home for me in light of my own sickness. And I want to tell you, the world oftentimes says, you know, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. There's never going to be a cure for that. We, we've seen in the 80s, AIDS was such a huge life-threatening epidemic. It has been brought down. It's not as life-threatening as it once was. Now, AIDS is still with us, and it has not been eradicated, as many of us had hoped and prayed since the 80s that it would take place, and maybe even beyond. I mean, it started really in the 70s. People, it was really on the radar. Um, but however long, perhaps, you've been praying that it would be eradicated. It still isn't. But look at the steps that have been taken. Look at the, the medicines that have come about from the research and the work that people have done. Um, God has blessed doctors in many ways to help with that disease, and other diseases, too. Even cancer treatments, they're getting more and more, uh, more and more credible, if you will. They're, people are living longer than they once were under these new treatments. They're constantly pushing the envelope. Um, in the world, though, you know, we hear negative. All we see when we turn on the news, I call the 11 o'clock news negative channel. Because all it is is negative. The entire thing is negative. What a thing to have right before bed. They say you're wasting your time. It's not, it's not worked yet. It's not working. But I want to tell you that as the, the church, we need to waste our time doing something. Not just doing nothing. 
We need to waste time doing something. Because that is what we are called to do. Because we see Jesus is here. We were just singing that song, you know, overflow. Your, your spirit is in this place. We see Jesus in our church building when we come in worshiping every week, right? I, I pray that you do. I pray that you see Jesus in our midst. That you see healing in our midst. We see that healing is here. And like in the scripture where Jesus was in that house, but that wasn't good enough. Those friends, they had to grab their buddy. They had to take him to Jesus. It wasn't good enough that Jesus was there. They had to do something about it, about getting their friend in Jesus's presence, right? Clean water is here. Water, since the dawn of time, has been a symbol of purity. We use it for for baptism. We're going to be having a baptism next week. Water is just a symbol of purity. You see, Jesus, I am the river, you know, the river of life. You have this water symbolism in the Bible throughout the scriptures. In many parts of the world, water is a symbol for death. Because they don't have a clean water system. We do. We turn our faucet in the morning. We don't have to walk two miles to get water that's not going to be mosquito infested or or make us sick. We get to turn a faucet and bam, we have water, clean water. We have clean water here in the church. People that are looking for water all over the world that's not quite as good as what God offers the water of life. We have that. Medicine is here. Healing is here. And we see that in the church. We see that in our country in many ways. And I want you to know from a culture that tells us you're not doing anything, you're wasting your time. And sometimes you'll beat yourself up and say, all I did was that. I wish I could have done more. You hear it from people all the time. Yeah, I did this. I worked in this way. I served in this capacity. If only I could have done more. If only I could have done more. Um, we have an elevator over at our sister church, Riverview, and it's a Schindler elevator. And I thought of that Schindler's list and how at the end of the movie, those of you who have seen it, if not, spoiler alert, but he's like, that was a person. That was a person. If only I could have done more. I could have sold this. This was a person. This was a person. And so you can beat yourself up and say, what I'm doing isn't enough. But I want you to know smaller is sometimes bigger than you would ever imagine. Small can be very big. Because next to doing nothing, small is something. Small is an overcoming. When you're doing nothing, to do something small, that's showing, hey, I overcame the nothingness at least, right? And we're talking about overcoming today. Smaller is bigger. Do something small. You'd be surprised how big it could be. The other thing I want to point out is, um, you know, I feel that in this country, we kind of have this roof over our heads. In many ways. And I say that again in light of this scripture because what does a roof do? I started thinking about roofs or roofs, however you pronounce it in the plural. But we have these roofs and they protect us from the rain, from the elements, from the snow, from the water. They shelter us, they keep us safe inside. What would you do? Say, um, Say Billy Graham came to your house for, for dinner, or whoever, maybe Judah Smith, whoever you listen to, uh, maybe Andy Stanley, maybe Big Allen. I don't know. Some pastor comes to your house, right? 
And all of a sudden, everyone in the neighborhood finds out and they're flocking to it. Well, there's these people who come and they end up putting a hole in your roof. How would you feel? How would you feel? You would say, you can't do that. That goes against the rules. You can't do that. You can't just put a hole in the roof. Why? Because the roof is security. I feel as Christians in many ways, in this country, we're living under a roof. Again, we have water at the turn of a knob. We have medicine just down the road. We have free flu clinic. I mean, you can walk in places and get a free flu shot. We have so much in this country. We're under a roof. I think as Christians, sometimes we need to pay, pound a hole in the roof. Just so we can see what's outside of our doors. Because sometimes we forget. There's a whole lot of hurt that's taking place outside of our house. Outside of our safety underneath this roof. And when I see these friends in today's scripture banging a hole in this roof, some scriptures show it that they actually made a hole in the roof. This one says they did it through the tiles. This is the nice, this is like the politically correct one. Like, don't bang a hole in the wall, Jimmy. You know, this one's like just bringing it out like it was already a hole there, right? There's always a hole in a roof. No, they did something. Can you imagine how much work it was? I've tried to go up a ladder with a bucket of paint before. Carrying a, a friend, dead weight friend, up a ladder in tangent with maybe another. I mean, it shows that there's more than one friend in tangent going up on the roof with a, with a person. They worked to bring healing in this man's life. They worked. It didn't just happen. There was a hole that needed to be made in a roof. There was a body that needed to be carried up and then lowered in so that there wasn't extra healing that needed to be done. They didn't just rock them. They had to lower them down safely too. There was work that needed to be done. When I get sick, I'm a baby over a snake. There are malnourished people in the world. There are people who, whose water supply is infested with uh, just bugs and bacteria. They can't drink it. Many ways, I think... We need a hole ripped in our roofs. Because what happens when you go to the medicine cupboard, but it's empty? What happens when you need the help that someone, even though their 11 o'clock news is bad, it's in surplus? And you have to walk two miles to get water that still tastes like dirt, but it won't make you sick. What do you do when the cupboard's empty? What do you do when the water faucet doesn't make water? I say, do something. We got to do something. Because doing something is better. Doing nothing, that's nothing. That's just nothing. It's not even worse. It's nothing. What's worse than nothing? We got to do something. As a church, we are called to improve upon global health. I don't know what that means for you as an individual. The church is made up of individuals. Yeah, the church is a connection of a lot of individuals. But what is God laying on your heart? Is it medicine? Maybe it's cancer. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's Alzheimer's. Maybe whatever disease is on, your, is on your mind. Heart disease. Maybe bring it local. Maybe it's addiction. What is on your heart? What has God placed on your heart to improve global health? Is it a water supply? 
um, you know, I'm going to I'm going to talk a little bit, just give you a few action steps, things that you can do even today from the comfort of under your own roof, in your pajamas, on your computer. Most of you. Did you know for uh, for, for about twenty dollars, you could you could get a life straw delivered to someone in a community that can't drink their water. And this little straw allows them that you can drink out of a mud puddle. And it's good. You got good water. About 20 bucks you could save a family. At least for about the next six months. With one little straw. There's stuff that you can do under your own roof. $20, that's going, that's going out to McDonald's maybe for, if you're a family of four. That's like one day out at McDonald's. And you gave like six months of fresh water. There's stuff that we can do. Maybe your thing isn't water. Maybe it's medicine. There are programs in place. All we need to do is log on to www.icareenoughtodothis.com. That's not a real site. It probably is. But just do something. Something is better than nothing. And you may say, you may buy into the lie of the world where they say you're wasting your time. You are not wasting your time. You are wasting time doing something at least if you are. Set some, some time aside to actually do something. Maybe you can write a blog about it. Maybe it's something you're passionate about and you're a writer. Write a blog. Blog writing today is in many ways people pounding a hole in the roof. A lot of times they offend people. You're opening people's eyes to something outside of their little outside of their dwelling, their safety zone. Maybe help an individual. Maybe there's someone that you personally know that you can help and reach out to. That's always best if you can actually have a relationship with someone. That's again the ministry you. Healing, I just want to let you know, to overcome anything, to heal, to, to find victory in any situation, it takes some work. It's not just going to happen. There's some work that needs to be done. So just set some time aside and do something. The other thing you could do even this week is maybe you would uh, change your perspective a little bit. You know, the world says, yeah, that's just a little thing that you did. You didn't really do anything. And you can buy into that lie. Or you can say, how do I measure success? How do I measure success? Do, do, I, do I need to see the final goal to realize that I'm actually succeeding right here? Maybe bring it down a notch and say, I'm going to do one thing. Just one thing this week, whether it's, it can be anything. I'm going to write a, a Facebook thing that just says, man, I read about the water supply in, in Ghana or wherever. This little, maybe a little community in the outskirts. Maybe it's, man, I heard, look at these pictures from outside of Detroit, Michigan, these shanty towns. Like the, the level of quality of life people that don't have that. I mean, whatever it is, do something. Because small can be big. You have no idea how those ripples are going to go. You may be doing something small that sparks someone to do something small, that sparks someone to do something small. Pretty soon, there's a lot of things that are small taking place, and as we all know, one plus one plus one, well, whatever. You can even get in a binary. Pretty soon, it's going to be huge. It's like when I was a kid, I wanted to talk my dad into giving me a penny for cutting the grass and every week double it. Yeah. He didn't do it. You know why? Because it starts small, but the more it starts getting multiplied... You're doing something big. I'd be getting like a million dollars to cut the grass. I'd be like, yes, that's how you do it, America. I'd have my own talk show. Do something. Smaller is bigger than you may imagine. The last thing I want to bring up is cutting a hole in the roof. 
What are the obstacles that you face? What is your obstacle? Maybe you want to do something. Maybe you are doing something, but you feel it's too small. What obstacles are in your, in your way? And is, it a, is there just this chance that even the obstacle itself could be a platform to just push you forward in actually doing something bigger? Like that house? This is such a memorable story. Can you imagine how many healing stories there were? We hear stories in the Bible where it says, Jesus' disciples were out all day healing, and we're just like, okay, but what healings took? They had to be miraculous too. But these people cut a hole in a roof and lowered their friend down to Jesus. It's memorable. They took an obstacle and overcame it. They rose above their obstacle, lowered their friend to Jesus. Perhaps your obstacle, what is in your way, is something that if you just step back and really pray about it, God could use even the obstacle to help push you forward towards that outcome that you want, towards that outcome that God is calling you towards in your life and in your ministry. i got to tell you, you know, Every time I hear a message and there's little things like, yeah, you can go online in your jammies and you can order a straw or you can do this. There's things that we can do. What happens is that in the back of my head, what happens if I don't do these things, Pastor Bay? If I don't do these things, what's going to happen? I ask myself that whenever I hear a message. If I don't do what this pastor is asking me to do, what's going to happen? You want to know the answer? Nothing. Nothing. What's worse than nothing? If you do nothing, yeah, there's, you've already accepted defeat. If you do nothing, I'm, I'm glad Jesus didn't do nothing. You know, God looked down at this world in chaos. God could have done nothing. Instead, he cut a hole in the roof. It's called the crucifixion. That was a hole. To be able to put God on a cross, that's a hole. That goes against everything that the religious thinkers ever thought. How do you hang God on a cross? That, go, that's a, that, that goes against the laws of reality. That can't happen. You can't cut a hole in the roof. God cut a hole in the roof. Not to lower us down in, but so Jesus could come down in and take us out. That's what God did. God didn't do nothing. And as God's children, I don't believe we're called to do nothing either. I think we're called to do something. And that is how we will overcome. And that is how God will overcome the world each and every day that we come alongside those that are in need. I pray you do something. Whatever it looks like. Make some ripples. Would you pray with me? Dear God, we thank you for the way that you didn't just do nothing. That you, you came down into our brokenness, into our sin, into our just deviation from what you had planned for us. And you made a way. You made a way of reconciliation, a way of salvation. A way to get us healing that we so desperately needed. And we could get it no other way than through Jesus. And I pray that as your people, that whatever we do for good in this world, that it is to show Jesus. 
Let us show Jesus with every water straw that we may purchase in our jammies or every jar of medicine that we may provide, every drug addict that we help, everyone who benefits from us donating money to a cause where they're doing scientific research, let us show Jesus. Because only Jesus can bring the healing that we really need. Only God can say, your sins are forgiven. It's not just about the initial physical healing. It's about the restoration of a people that were created to love and be loved. Help us be a part of that. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord.